very best ability that we have. Amen? Uh, I want to honor God. Um, so I want to talk to you about crafting a sermon. This is my title slide. This is uh, Brother Billy Lewis, our founding pastor in Aurora, Illinois. And um, this is our first church building that we own, 529 Clark Street. I'll show you the storefront at the end. Um, but this is our heritage in Aurora, Illinois, and, and those from Aurora. First message I preached was on a Wednesday night, and it was uh, entitled Committed to the Cause. <laughs> Committed to the Cause. And hours were spent on compiling the scriptures and the statements I wanted to make, visualizing how I would make every point, rehearsing some of those points in the mirror. Anybody ever done that? Okay, we got to be honest and transparent here, you know, for this to work. Thank you. Yeah, uh, rehearsing some of those in the mirror. Probably should do more of that now uh, than, I, than I thought about because sometimes my wife says, man, you looked upset. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you, you get to where you're preaching. You don't even think about what you would look like or perceive like. We've got to be very careful because folks do come. We don't folks come to our church who aren't used to Pentecostal and all of a sudden think, man, that preacher was angry. <laughs> and we were passionate about something, you know, however it was. We do have to understand all of those things because in communication, we know if I were to talk to you about interpersonal communication, we would say that body language is a major portion of interpersonal communication. And that's why we have to be careful for the use of the Lord. If we're singers, if we're preachers, whatever we're doing, we don't want to use our body in a way that could send a wrong message, be offensive. So it's, we have to be very careful. These are things sometimes we don't think about. And so I wrote my outline on half page yellow pad um, notes. In fact, I still have them. And I did it on a half page where they could fit neatly into my Bible. That when I would go behind the, the desk and open up my Bible, you know, I could walk up with a Bible, no, no notes, no notebook. <laughs> uh, and however, you know, throughout my message as I was looking down and continually reading, I think it's probably very obvious that I had notes. Um, the message lasted a fraction of the time I had planned because as I began to preach it, I didn't pause I spoke at a very high rate of speed, uh, clocked some, some sentences at over 100 miles per hour as I was speaking. Um, and then the wonderful folks at FAC Aurora afterwards were very kind and gentle uh, with me. Uh, I was much harder on myself uh, than, than any of them were. And uh, one of the things I tell young, young uh, aspiring preachers and teachers is understand this. The folks that you're preaching for, they want you to succeed more than you want you to succeed. Uh, they're behind you. And uh, it took me a while to realize that. And so, uh, talking about the Word of God and, and preaching and teaching that uh, sermon, uh, when we start talking about uh, one of the seven habits of highly effective people, Stephen Covey says, is to start with the end in mind. When you prepare for a message, uh, when you're preparing for a service, I, I wonder what end we have in mind when we start preaching and teaching. What is the end we have in mind? And the end we have in mind many times, and, and this can be a danger, has been shaped by the responses that we have had or observed others have while they were preaching and teaching to others. Uh, when you think about it, many times our expectations of preaching and teaching have been shaped by incredible services that we've been a part of. And so we're preaching and teaching and we want, you know, that that first message or whatever message, we want, you know, 15 to receive the Holy Ghost. I preach a lot of messages and teach a lot of lessons where no one receives the Holy Ghost. But ESC, if that is my expectation of success, then, then we're all in trouble. 
we're all in trouble. But see, we can have some of those expectations or, or a supernatural demonstration of the Spirit or response. This is a tough one. There's some that want a, a, a emotional response that they know they've done good when somebody ran the aisle or somebody did a little shout. You've got to be careful um, because these are not the parameters. These are not the ways that the Scripture teaches us are successful in in preaching and teaching the word of the Lord. The goal is, is that, that God would be glorified, understanding that, that God in flesh, Jesus Christ, preached some messages and people left him by the droves. <laughs> they were shouting. <laughs> Just what they were shouting was not what we would consider, you know, an amen or, or things of that nature uh, as they shouted at him. And our desire is for God to receive glory, his, uh, that his achievements, his nature, who he is, is renowned. And it's for edification. People should be challenged and encouraged by the word of God. That's what our goal is. Our goal is not uh, our power. We have no power over what someone else will do. All we can do is sow the seed of the word of God, to challenge with the word of God. Spurgeon says it like this, that our job is to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. Uh, That is our job, just to teach and preach the word of God. And when you're comfortable, when you're too comfortable... The word of God is going to poke you a little bit. And, but when you are afflicted, the word of God can bring comfort to you and encouragement to you. And so how do we get into the basics just of crafting a sermon? This is going to be very applicable because I think that's what they had in mind when they put the session together. So I want to talk to you in very basics. First of all, we have to be students of the word. We are to be students of the word before we're ever to be crafters of sermons. Um, there's a tendency that that you can view the scripture as a tool to prepare a message. That, that this is a tool where I'm going to get my message and, and I'm going to use the word of God to give it. Rather than understanding that the word of God is living, it is powerful. It's not a tool that we use. Rather, the word of God uses us. We are the tool to be used by the word of God. The word of God is the source. It's the authority. Uh, Second Timothy, preach the word. What are we supposed to do? We're focused on the word of God. We need to preach the word. It's not about speaking our own words, touting our words. We are to make his word clear, understandable, applicable. It should build faith, and faith always leads to action because we do not worship faith. Faith is only as good as the object that it is placed in. And so when you put your faith in, uh, when you put your faith, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That should increase our faith in God, the object of our faith. You can have faith in a lot of things, uh, and it doesn't profit you at all, as James would talk about. You can can have faith in your car. You can have faith, you can have great faith in your car. It can fail you miserably because the object of your faith, it's not about your faith, it's what you put your faith in. And our faith is to be in Jesus Christ and his word. And when we have great faith in the word of God and preach the word of God and people begin to hear the word of God and their faith in God grows because of his word, great things can happen when that happens. But if we're not students of the word, if we're not allowing the word to bear fruit, the spirit to bear fruit in our own lives first, then we become dangerous to everyone else that would listen to us. It first must be working in us. Uh, as it is said before, we'll talk about it again, you're supposed to ministering out of the overflow, uh, as maybe McDonald would say. It, it has to happen in us first. 
It's not about saying, okay, I'm going to craft a sermon. I'm going to use the Bible to get a text to tell other people what they should do. No, no, it's about the word of God speaking into us and challenging us and changing us and through that being passed on to other folks who can grow in the word of God. Amen. Peter lets us know that, that first of all, we are to be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. You see, you don't just open your Bible when it's time to craft a sermon. I found out I preach and teach all of the time, not behind a pulpit. I, I do it on airplanes. I do it in stores. Why? When, when all of a sudden you come in contact with somebody, you need to have been putting the Word of God in you that you could share it with someone else. I don't know where I'm at on, 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 in the process. I might be planning. I might be watering. If I'm on an airplane, there's a great chance that this person, if they believe in Jesus Christ and are saved, all that happens, that they will not attend First Apostolic Church. I, but, but why do I do it? Because I'm a believer. I'm a preacher. I'm a teacher. I proclaim it. And I could be watering for someone somewhere else in the country or in the world Fruit is going to take place because I just did my part on the thing. You never know when you are giving a defense, when you're preaching or teaching or explaining the word of God. And so don't let it be, well, I've got to get ready to preach a sermon. No, no, we, we get into the word of God where everywhere we are, we are an epistle, we're teaching, we're communicating truth. Uh, and also remember 2 Timothy 2, amen. A reminder of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message will spread like cancer. And notice it gives examples of those who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. This is all in the context of be diligent, rightly divide the word of truth, saying that if we don't get serious about the word of God, not about preaching, teaching, not about our ministry, if we don't get serious about the word of God, others can be overthrown. It can shake the faith of others, including ourselves. And so apostolic preachers are, are not hired speakers who, own, uh, who can proclaim or teach anything handled to them. I, I'm not a professional speaker that, you know, you can give me a speech and hand it and I can, you know, give a speech on uh, the benefits of owning a Ford or I can give you a, an argument of why Elvis Presley is still alive, you know, uh, those type of things. That's not what we are. We are apostolic preachers and teachers are people who are full of the word of God. I'm not, I'm not passionate about a lot of things in this world. I'm not passionate about getting up in front of people and talking and speaking and, and, and making an offense or making, no, no, but the word of God, to proclaim the word of God. Uh, that's what we must be passionate about. It's, we've got to be full of the word of God. As Jeremiah said, I, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding back and I could not. That, that's what I want to take place in that every day I am in the word of God. I'm growing in the word of God to where it's inside of me and it has to come out. I want to hear the word of God. And that's what people need to hear is the word of God. It's what they need to hear preached, proclaimed, taught is the word of God. It alone, Peter said it, it alone has the power of life. And that's what we're interested in is life taking place and more abundant life that comes through preaching and teaching. 
And so let's go into some of the basics. Let's go into application. So hopefully you're a believer in preaching and teaching the power of the Word of God. So I want to share with you just some, some applications, some things that, that I've found in my, my study or in my desire to be a, a better preacher, teacher, to grow in, in communication of the Word of God. Let's talk first about text and topic selection. Several steps to choosing the topic or text that you should address. First of all, you might be assigned by your pastor or another individual in authority, and so it's an assigned text. Maybe it's your, your student pastor that says, hey, I want you to give a 15-minute a message on topic A or topic B. And so when it comes to that, we've already received it. It's been assigned by somebody in authority. This session that I'm doing here, the session that I did la uh, just last session over, over in the other room, these were assigned. So I didn't have to pray about what I was going to speak about as far as topic or text. It is assigned by those who were in authority. But then the second aspect is daily prayer and devotion. We pray and seek God for the topics and texts that we should speak on. And, and let me give important clarification here because I want to make sure this is understood. Very important clarification. Be careful not to pray and seek God for a sermon. Rather, pray and seek God for the people that you will be speaking to. Big difference. You know, I, I don't go to, to prayer Oh, and, and this is, I'm telling you, this is not, this is how my messages come most of the time. I don't go to God in prayer and, God, I need a word. I need a sermon. I need a message. Sunday's coming. Sunday's always coming. Wednesday's always coming. I speak very frequently. But I don't go saying, God, give me a sermon. I pray for, if it's the church, I'm praying for FAC Aurora. Praying for what's happening, where we're going, the people. I've got a prayer list on, uh, I use workflow. I've got a prayer list of needs. And if I say to somebody, I'm adding you to my prayer list, it's there and I'm going to go through. I'm praying for our church. Sometimes I'm praying for the district, praying for this youth convention, praying for this session. I'm praying for people. And it's amazing to me that when I pray for people, pray for a conference, pray for a camp, wherever I'm going to be speaking, when I start praying for that need and what's there, that God speaks to me, gives me direction on, on speaking in that group. It's amazing. Praying about maybe a men's conference. And, and Lord, there are going to be men here. And I start praying about the struggles of men that I know are going through and different things. And how God, all of a sudden, whether it's a scripture or a theme, talk, begins to open that up. And so when I say pray, pray. But don't pray, God, I want a sermon. God, I want a lesson. Pray for people. Pray for the, the meeting. Pray for your youth class. Pray for your Sunday school class. Start praying for the children in that class or whatever setting it is. And so when I say prayer... I mean pray for people, not for sermons and messages. God is able to speak to you about what you should preach tomorrow, teach tomorrow. He's also able to speak to you about what you should preach or teach 10 months from now. We have to understand this. God is not, sometimes we attribute to God sort of our personal quirks and habits. It's amazing that if you're used to going to school and staying up to midnight or 2 o'clock in the morning the night before a paper is due just to get it done, that's probably how you did your last sermon or Bible study too. Whoa. Now I know the Lord can speak at any time. The Lord can change something in a moment. Can change it. Can change it five minutes. I understand that. But I've been around a lot of preachers in my lifetime. Most of the preachers I talk to, that, that is the seldom thing that happens is that five minutes before I walk up to speak, God says, okay, change it. That happens. But, but most of the time, that's not what happens. 
God can speak to us in advance. So if you're a minister, you don't even need to know when you're going to be asked uh, or, or what is going to be taking place. It, it, when you start praying and for areas that you're in and God puts something in your heart, you don't have to know when you're going to preach it or teach it or to who you're going to preach it teach it to if God just places it in your heart. We need to be continually, daily in our prayer and fasting when we're praying for folks, praying for the church, praying for these things that we're involved in. God places something in our heart. We need to start working on that. And it might be amazing to you that when you start working about that and you start spending time that, how God might move on somebody to say, hey, we want you to come speak in this setting. Sometimes I think we have it a little bit backward. It's okay to plan, plan in advance. If you're a leader preparing a speaking calendar, which I do, I know a lot of folks that don't do this, I do it. I plan a speaking calendar for our year. Where in prayer. I, I start, you know, about after camp. Camp's July. So around August, September, I start praying for the next year and say, God, we want this next year to be a great year and start praying about harvest and the things that are taking place, our children's week, uh, Easter, Pentecost week, all of these things. I'm planning. I start in August because I'm going to start talking to our church about it in October or November, and it'll be set going into December. And so we... It's, it's generic, it's broad, it's, some things are intentional. For instance, there are some topics I think need to be covered every year. And so I'm thinking, when's going to be the best time to talk about holiness and our holiness seminar this year or finance seminar or various things of the Word of God? And so we plan that out. I require that of our student ministries. Brother Romer has a calendar right now. I could pull it up in my Dropbox of, of this entire year. Sometimes these things change. It happens with me. I'll, I'll be in a series, and all of a sudden during that series coming up, I feel the Lord directing me in something else. And so we just push back whatever it is and go with what we feel. We're not saying we're not led of the Spirit, but we also can be led of the Spirit in advance. And so I want to challenge you to right now, if you feel a call of God to preach and teach the Word of God, every, every day in your prayers, you're praying for the church in the areas that you're at. Amen. Hopefully you're, you're doing more than, than just thinking, I wonder when I'm going to be asked to speak. You need to be preparing yourself. It may be for that time, it may be for, for next time. I use Evernote. Uh, it's a, a program. You can sync with your phone, your iPad, your computer. Uh, and so in prayer, I, I record every thought for messages, series, anything. I'm doing specific uh, scriptures, passages, topics, things, I record it and, uh, in Evernote. And then any additional idea, any illustration, anything that comes along, I put right into that Evernote file. And so, and then I categorize it. You can categorize them too. And so I tag it, what's called tagging. So uh, I've got all kind of tags to where uh, as time goes on, so here's what happens sometimes. Sometimes uh, uh, something's quickened back to my mind, especially illustrations and things. I can go to that file and I have a lot of things already in work. There are another, other times that I'm preaching on a similar topic or on that topic. And because uh, maybe the Lord spoke to me about a certain scripture, but because I have a topic of material too, I can go grab that very easily because it's tagged. If you don't write it down, if you don't have some system, I'm just sharing my system. I'm trying to be very practical with you. I, I use a, a digital system. I hate paper. I have a scanner. I try to have a paperless office uh, so where I could right now on my iPad or my computer pull up everything I have, you know, through Dropbox, Evernote, some of these tools. But, but whatever you use, you use file folders, you use a notebook, anything is great. But if you don't have a system, to record things, you will not have it when you need it. So you need a system that you could use. And so, especially adding things uh, along with it. Sometimes, I'm gonna be honest, sometimes it's months, there are sometimes it's years before I use 
that, that note that I put in the Evernote. Because we are in prayer. We want the Lord to direct us. And because the Lord is speaking to us, sometimes it's for me personally. <laughs> but then later, I feel like I need to preach to the church about this. And so it's all, it's all there. And so you need to do that. You need to creatively brainstorm when you have a topic or text. Some of the questions you need to, to be able to ask is, what, if anything, does the Bible say about this topic? You know, maybe it's something that's going on currently. You know, we're living today, Supreme Court is talking about same-sex marriage, some of these things, you know. Uh, if you're doing a presentation on it, does the Bible speak on this subject? Well, yeah, we can. You can start finding out those scriptures. Another question is, if the Bible doesn't say anything about it, why doesn't the Bible say anything about it? Enlightening question. Who in the scriptures faced a situation that forced them to deal with this idea or issue? So all of a sudden you're finding biblical examples of those who went through similar things. And that's how we learn, right, from the examples of, of others. What did they do? What did they do? What did the three Hebrew children do when they were confronted with an ultimatum that caused them to violate their conscience, their walk with God? What did they do? Why, what didn't they do that you might have expected them to do? You know, as we begin to study the scriptures and ask questions, uh, and then a great one, did Jesus ever address this topic directly or indirectly? So once we have a theme, once we have a topic, through prayer, through assignment, we start to brainstorm. What does the scripture talk about this? I don't know what you use for brainstorming. I use two apps. Uh, again, I'm just giving you what I do. I don't want everybody to think you need these apps. I don't even know how much they cost now. I've used them for years. But I use, uh, has anybody ever done mind mapping? Mind mapping is where you can start with a box and you can just explode it out. I, I would show you if my computer was close, uh, have them. But it, it's a great thing, especially if you're visual. You can put little circles and lines and you can take it out in all those directions. You can move them around when you need to switch them around, back and forth. And then I use a uh, app most often called Workflowy. Workflowy. It's a web-based app. They're also, it's, uh, so on, on your computer you do it via the web. Uh, but it also syncs with your iPad and your phone. I, uh, everything has to sync for me. And so what it has, it just allows you to brainstorm, outline, and go down. And, and the key in the creative process is not to, not to think, um, not to edit. You understand that you, you, the, the two sides of your brain, right and left hemisphere, they have different functions. One is a very creative side. Okay, this is the artist side. One is more of an analytical number side specifics. And so what happens is you lose productivity when you keep trying to go between both sides at the same time. So what you do in writing a paper, writing a message, whatever, is you just let that creative side go. You think everything you can think about. Put it on paper. Put it there. Don't worry about spelling. Don't worry about if you got the scripture right. Don't just throw it down. And then you can come back in the editing process and get very specific. I hope that will help you out, help me out. Um, the next part we talk about is exegesis, hermeneutics. If we're going to craft a sermon, we need to have proper hermeneutics. <laughs> and exegesis means to draw from. Don't want to go to a big deal here, but eisegesis mean, <laughs> uh, means to read into. Our responsibilities as preachers and teachers is to draw from the scriptures, not read things into the scriptures. The most grievous doctrines in the history of the world came from people reading things into scriptures, allegory. Well, this 
this eagle, this serpent. Well, it means all of these things. Well, what does the Bible say it means? Bible's right. Let's settle that. We need to bring what the scripture is saying, bring it out of the scripture. It is important that we rightly divide the word if we're going to craft sermons and lessons. Our first goal, this is always your first goal, is to understand exactly what the author meant when he wrote the text under, because it's not just about the author writing, he's writing under the inspiration. This is the word of God, of the Holy Ghost. What did God want him to say? We are not to take scripture, to twist it and bend it to support what we are wanting to say. See, this is the danger when I got a thought, I got an idea or a neat illustration. Now I want to go find scripture that'll back up what I'm wanting to say because you will misuse scripture. Our job is what does the word of God say? What do we bring out from the word of God? We do not proof text or take a, a text that meant something totally different and apply it here because it sounds good. You know, we have a, a song, this is one, sort of one of my pet peeves. I hope this is not your favorite song. But, but every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. No, every promise in the book is not yours. There were some promises to somebody in Israel. That was for them, <laughs> And it was fulfilled. And it's never going to happen in your life. It's just never going to happen in your life. You've seen that song all we want, but it's never going to happen in your life. Because it was specifically to them. And I can't just say, well, I'm going to bring, make it mine too. No, no, no. Israel is not ours. That, that is not our land. You, you know, I, I know we're grafted in. And I, I know there's a lot of things there. But every promise is not mine. You see... And please, don't, please listen to me very carefully because I don't want anybody to misunderstand this statement. We have to understand that the Holy Scriptures are not written to us. The Holy Scriptures are written for us. When Paul is writing to the Romans, the letter of Romans was to the Romans. Now it's for us as well. It teaches us. It's a, but it wasn't addressed. You know, there's not a book that says, Illinois District, UPCI. I write to you concerning this great event you have in Springfield. You know. But we learned it was for us. So we've got to be very careful with the Word of God. Uh, the Bible lets us know that all Scripture is given by inspiration for God. It is profitable. It is beneficial for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And so we have to understand when we open the book and we're crafting a sermon, we need to understand what was it, uh, the original audience that it was spoken to, what did it mean and what was it for them before we can start finding out what it means for us. Does that make sense? And so that's why we have to be students of the Word. We've got to understand what is the word saying. Um, let's go forward. I, I, I just throw this up. This is a neat thing, hermeneutical spiral. Remember how uh, we, we have to understand. We have to let the Bible inform us. We don't inform the scriptures. Uh, from, from starting with a text, uh, you know, th then it's very important that you broaden out, that you have the book, the, the author's writing, the New Testament, the Bible, geographical background, historical background, cultural background. There's a lot of things that go into understanding the scriptures. If, if I, you know, greet your brother with a, a kiss, okay? You say that in the average uh, context today, we don't understand that. We don't understand that. 
And so we have a target text. But maybe, maybe if we go to the paragraph, we're going to understand a little bit more what's going on. And then we go to the author's writing. Maybe it's in the New Testament. Uh, maybe the entire Bible. But it, all of a sudden we get the geogra- ge- geographical, easy for me to say, the historical, the cultural background. And then all of a sudden we understand what's going on here in the text. So not all these apply, but it is a continual spiral that should go increasing our understanding. There's a lot of things. It's not because we're bad. It's we're 2,000 years away from the writing. So there's a lot of things we don't understand until we dig a little bit deeper, until we mine down. Can you imagine uh, our speech 2,000 years from now? If I say 9-11, I mean, everyone in this building is thinking planes, trade towers. What will somebody, a student at Youth Convention, 2,000 years from now, 4,013, what would they think if I, if I just walked up here and said, remember 9-11? I mean, this would be like your history professor came in and says, what happened in 1362? Whoa. What does that mean? We have to understand, because of the distance we have, we have to do a little bit of work to go back and say, okay, what, what does it mean? So we have to modify our understanding. We all come to the scripture with a pre-understanding. We all come to the scripture with sort of what our understanding is. But then we've got to be willing to let the scripture change our pre-understanding. Have you ever had a good sermon thought, you thought? And you got into the Bible and you found out that the, the, the Bible doesn't mean what you thought it meant? Now here's, you can do two things here. You can be true to where you can say, well, that sermon thought, was just an ideology that doesn't line up, I'm discarding it. Or you can figure out some way to make the Bible just go ahead and say what you want it to say. So in crafting sermons, we have to make sure that we are willing to lay aside our preconceptions every time we open the Word of God. Amen. Um, And so our our goal is to grow. We need to modify our understanding based on the interpretation. Uh, We use uh, the grammatical historical method, meaning that we believe words have meaning. We believe that the the word of God inspired God breathed the words, and so every word matters. And so that's why we pay attention to the words that are in the scripture. We also understand it wasn't in historical environment, so we want to understand history at that time. Helps us to know what is going on, just like we, we have to understand with our language, our words. Uh, remember, dictionaries do not define our language. We shape dictionaries. You use a word wrong long enough, and they'll, change, they'll put it in the dictionary. So we shape the dictionary. That's why you have to be careful with words. Words change. And so a word in my King James Version from the 1600s might not mean the same thing that if I just think of what the word means in my common everyday language now. And so we have to understand what do these words mean. Some maybe we know, but maybe there's not big difference, you know. Uh, baptism is, is baptism, the immersed, the plunged, uh, to, uh, underneath. Uh, so, so maybe it's not that, but there are words that, that change. And so we've got to understand that. We've got to pray. Everything we do, we should do so with humility, not with arrogance, humbly seeking the Spirit of God as we study His Word. Uh, the clarity of scriptures. Amen. Um, When we're understanding the grammar, this is where other translations can help, you know, to to get good translations of the Bible. They can be beneficial. Um, Bible dictionaries can help somewhat with words as well. Bible dictionaries more so than like Merriam-Webster's. Because again, 
Now, you're reading a translation, so English dictionaries work on translations, but understand that, that Merriam-Webster, uh, again, defines words much different than it was years ago. There's some good uh, Bible dictionaries. Ungers makes a good Bible dictionary. Um, I think one of the, the best ones out there, too, is uh, EDT, Evangelical Dictionary of Theology by Baker Books. You can also even get digital, some of these digital resources. InterVarsity Press has a reference library that you can get that has Dictionary of Jesus and the Gospels, Dictionary of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, Dictionary of Paul and his letters, Dictionary of Acts and other New Testament letters. And these can help with words that are used in that sense. Um, so, so in that area, we're trying to get the grammar, to try to get the history. There, there are commentaries, but you have to be very careful with commentaries. Understand, because something is in a commentary doesn't mean it's truth. All right? These are people like you and I who are studying the scriptures and then writing down their understanding of the scriptures. So you have to be very careful with commentaries. I'm very excited. Coming out in the new year is a apostolic, our, our, our uh, publishing house is putting out an apostolic uh, study Bible to where it has commentary through it just like you would in a regular study Bible that are all done by our professors, uh, by our theologians. And so throughout the scripture, that's going to be a huge resource that, that uh, you should get. And understanding the cultural backgrounds. Let's talk about the organization of, of a message as we are uh, coming to some of our time. Um, there are critical questions that I think that once we have a text, topic, theme, those things we have to be able to ask is, uh, so what? So what does this mean? Or, or now what? Questions that I just have on my list that I go through. Some of the questions apply to, to, to every message. Some apply to don't. You, you have to pick and choose. For instance, what is the one thing? If, if, if I'm preaching a message, not maybe as much as teaching, like if I'm preaching a Sunday morning sermon, I, I try to narrow it down to what is the one thing I want to make sure that everyone has when I'm done? Uh, another one is what do they, the, the audience, need to know? Okay, what is the information that they need to have? This is an information question. We got to make sure we differentiate between information and application. This is an information question. This is an application question. What do they need? Uh, why do they need to do it? No, that's still information. I'm sorry. Why do they need to do it? Let's get to uh, application. What do I want them to do? And why do they need to do it? These are huge questions. So when you're, you've got your topic, your theme, your text, you got that together, you're learning what the, the scripture says, because that's the first, the first goal. Everything up to now is about us. It's about us as the person learning, understanding the scriptures. Once we have an understanding of the scripture, and the great thing is, is you're building your own commentary, you're building your own life. I, I love right now after, uh, I don't have any clue how many times I've been preaching, but I've preached for many years. I have my messages on, on computer. I, I love the fact now that after many years of preaching and teaching in different environments, and when, it's, when a topic or a theme or a scripture comes up, I can pull my own resources from different work I've done at different times. And so you can compile your own library if you have a good organizational system. And so once you've done the work one time, you can just keep adding to that work, you know, adding to your understanding of baptism in Jesus' name. You know, you, maybe you did one on Acts 2.38, but then all of a sudden you start talking about Paul. And Paul says, we are buried with him in baptism. That should expand your 
your understanding is like, wow, you keep compiling, keep adding, keep adding, growing. Man, that's why the word of God is a journey of a lifetime. Journey of a lifetime. But these are questions, information, what do people need to know? Why do they need to know it? What do they need to do? Uh, why do they need to do it? Because the word of God in preaching and teaching is not complete until there is a call for action. Faith without works is dead. It doesn't profit at all. And the word of God that is given to us was not given to us just for us to know. There's a lot of folks that will sit around a coffee shop and debate the word of God. That's not what we're here to do. We're here to put it into practice. You know, James says, you know, to say to somebody, hey, the one that's naked and hungry, be warm and be fed. Does them absolutely no good at all. Our faith leads to action. There are vehicles of messages. Uh, because of time, I'm going to start putting these together. Expository, uh, textual. These are just technical terms. Expository, four more verses. Textual, three or less verses. And so thinking about it, mate, uh, is how many verses are you covering? If you're, if you're doing just a specific text, it might be you know, two or three verses. Uh, expository, it might be uh, a teaching session where you're covering an entire chapter of the scripture. So figuring out, how am I going to present this? Uh, it could be a topical uh, you know, a topic, a theme throughout the scripture. Maybe it's the blood of Jesus Christ. And you can start in Genesis and go to Revelation and talk about the blood of Jesus Christ. Maybe it's the Lamb of God, which would coincide. And so we have in Genesis, uh, we have the Lamb. Uh, we have John saying, behold the Lamb. We have Revelation saying the Lamb was slain from the foundation. We have the Lamb, this theme throughout scripture that you could preach on the Lamb. Probably be a good message this past Sunday or this Sunday. And so you have those things. You have narrative where there are some that it is more of a narrative. It is the story of Daniel and the lion's den where you are telling the Bible story. Uh, the three Hebrew children. Um, I, you know where I started uh, teaching the scripture was six-year-old boys. Six-year-old boys. Listen, if you can teach the six-year-old boys class and keep their attention and work with them, you can teach any environment in the world. That's what frustrates me about folks that think that they have to be behind a pulpit in front of the church to be able to teach or preach the Word of God. Man, sometimes you, some of the greatest teaching that takes place is around a table with a Bible study chart. Somebody gets it. Oh, man, it's powerful. And so thinking about it just helps, uh, it helps to organize what you're doing. You know, am I doing more of a chapter verse by verse thing? Am I doing with a specific text? Am I telling a narrative? Think, think about Brother White last night. What did he do? He told the story of Samson. He told the story of Samson. Amen. Um, and so these are some of the things. Then I put things into a, a, a working outline. This is a working outline that I use for every message that I preach or teach. And again, please uh, use it if it helps you. If not, um, let me get to the things. First of all is the information. What do they need to know? Motivation. Why do they need to know it? Application. What do they need to do? Critical. Inspiration. Why do they need to do it? And reiteration is how can I help them to remember? This is probably the one I struggle with the most is how do I help to remember? I do really good with information uh, and motivation Application, I struggle with sometimes because application is when you bridge the gap between 2,000 years ago and right now. And it, it takes work. Now, now, let me say is, is this is why you shouldn't be waiting to the night before in preparing a message or a lesson. Um, now, your pastor probably has to preach two or three times a week. 
You know, I preach two or three times a week. If I put the time I wanted to into every message, just the time I, I, I preach, it, it's impossible. I always want to do more. Uh, I'm sort of a perfectionist on some level, so I could spend, you know, just an inordinate amount of time. I understand everybody doesn't have my temperament. But, you know, I, I have a time crunch as well, preaching, teaching, and all the other responsibilities I have. When you're not preaching and teaching every, you know, week, you should have some great messages that you can spend some time into and really develop, okay? And, uh, but inspiration, why do they need to do it? Reiteration, how can I help them remember? Uh, some great ways, you know, some, some preachers excel at reiteration. You know, they, they, they'll have a phrase in that message that you hear over and over again that when you leave, that phrase, you are never going to forget that phrase. Never forget uh, think about Brother Jeff Arnold preached uh, years, years ago when I was a kid, uh, preached on Moses, I am not an Egyptian. Just over and over and over. Well, you know, I can bring that back, you know, years later just because of hearing it, that reiteration throughout the message. And so these are some things to give. And then my notes would go based, this would be the outlines of my notes. Uh, I use, again, very... Uh, specific applicable with you. My title is in 24 point font. My headings are in 18 point font and all of my text is in 16 point font where I don't have to read close like so and just go with it. Um, but I have an, uh, I have three sections or five sections and I'll get them all up there where you can just see them. Um, okay, here they go. Uh, orientation, identification, illumination, application, and inspiration. Try to always start with orientation, trying to uh, introduce the subject on a way, just being very plain. For instance, when we started this, this lesson today, what did I do? I started talking to you about the first message that I had preached, trying to orient you according to the subject. We went from there by talking about identification, about us preaching and having to preach or come up with the messages, trying to identify that we're all in the same boat here. Um, and then illumination, to me, Illumination is information. That's text. That's the word of God, the spirit of God. And that's where we say this is what the script, this is where the information is at. And so we started talking about the importance of the word of God and rightly dividing the word of God and preaching and teaching the word of God. Then is application. Okay, now this is what we do with it. That's when I transitioned and I started talking about, okay, these are some of the basic one, two, threes. This is maybe some ideas you can use. Maybe you can use Evernote. Maybe you can work, use Workflowy. These are some tools. These are some good dictionaries that you can use in application and then coming, concluding with inspiration to encourage us to go forward and do it. And so I have a template uh, that I use in speaking. It's, a, it's almost two pages the way I have it. It's a template. And sometimes I use a quarter of the template, sometimes I use a half, sometimes I use a lot, depending on, again, whether it's a text, whether it's expository, you know, all of those things can take place, but it's used in that aspect. And these are things that, you know, email me, I'll email, email right back to you if you'd like that. But these are the things that we have to have. Our time is coming to, to an end, but let me tell you just finishing touches as well. The, the key is, is never, never skimp on your time in the word of God, making sure, you want to make sure when you preach and teach that you have done your due diligence and that you are speaking truth, rightly dividing the word of God. There is too much at stake, too much at stake for people to get bad theology, bad doctrine, bad things in their life. Too much at stake. 
And so we have to do our due diligence. After we have that, we've decided on our form, we have it together, maybe our outline of it, then we need to add the finishing touches. This is where fitting illustrations can be so powerful to illustrate the, thing, the points that we're making, to bring them into clarity. This is where I use Evernote. I try to capture every illustration, good illustration I can find. I just can't have too many good illustrations. So every book I read, I read, obviously, digital Kindle. I cut and paste every illustration into Evernote. Or all my, there's a way to do it online where you can take all your highlights, your notes uh, that you make in a, while reading a book and import them right into Evernote. So I can search and find that. So any story, anything in the newspaper, the web, cut, you can clip it out and it'll put it right into Evernote. All of those things, because you want to compile those. Word pictures are, are powerful in any communication to, to, to tell a word picture. You know, uh, this is great in any kind of communication. Like I said, marriage, you know, uh, it helps me when my wife says, you know, when, uh, when you dropped my hand, you know, or when you said those words, I, you know, I felt like I was on, you know, on a train track watching a train come barreling down on me and I was, I was unable to move off the track. You know what that says to me is, wow. I had no idea that that phrase I said or, or whatever happened was that powerful. But by using a word picture, she just let me know this was very serious to me. So illustrations, word pictures, metaphors, analogies. Jesus was an expert of this. The kingdom of heaven is like a man that goes. And so what's he using? He's using uh, metaphors, analogies, similes. He's using all these things to explain truth. And we can do the same thing in that aspect. And then vocabulary, vocabulary, sense appeal, not snob appeal. Sense appeal, not snob appeal. When we speak, we need to make sure that we use language that people understand, not just to show what word we read in the dictionary or how, try to show, or, or, and we need to understand too that when we have guests that are coming, they might not understand all the phrases that we're familiar with. So we have to be very careful in our presentation to say words, amen, that, that people understand because our goal is that everyone can understand what we're saying. Amen? Lastly, let me show you this picture as we can close. This is, this is the storefront. Pearson High Street, where our church started, Brother Lewis preaching. I mean, he's passionate right there. This, this, this right here, the church I pastor now isn't in a storefront. In fact, we have so, many, so much more property than that storefront was just on the corner. I could take you to it right now. It's a small restaurant. And uh, we have currently 20 acres of land, blessed campus. We're very just extremely, incredibly blessed. You know where it started though? It started with our elder preaching the word of God in a storefront. No, no air conditioning. They would raise the windows in the, the summertime. People would throw rotten fruit in on them while he was preaching. It was a store and so they still had along the wall they had uh, their display. People would literally take their, their children and it, the way it was, and they could set them in there. That was, that was sort of our nursery was on the, the side of the wall. They would place their child in there, and they would sit beside them and stuff. And from that to where we're at today, you know why? It wasn't because of money. It wasn't because of intelligence. It wasn't because of skill. It, it wasn't because of... The most talented, it wasn't because of all of those things. It's because somebody began to preach the word of God. And faith comes by hearing, 
and hearing by the word of God. And people started responding in faith to the word of God. And people started repenting and started being baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, bearing the fruit of the Spirit as they grew on into perfection. That is what the ministry is all about. Let's stand together. Thank you for your time today. I want to be conscious of your time. Amen. But as you preach, remember, from the, when you start with the prayer at the beginning all the way to the ending, it's really about the people that God has entrusted you to be able to speak into their lives. What an incredible responsibility. Speaking, preaching, and teaching is not about me. It's about the people that I'm going to be able to speak to. This is why the Lord would even use Saul, Saul, to prophesy. After he'd, he's cut off, but Saul uh, would work in, in, in the Lord in different ways because he wanted the people that got the message because it's so important. And, and whether you're going to speak at the, the six-year-old boys' class this Sunday, Easter Sunday, or the, your student pastor is going to say in six months from now, hey, I want you to give a 15-minute talk at our student ministries. Understand this. When you open up and you start speaking the Word of God, the Word of God is powerful. It can change lives if we will just present His Word as He wants it presented. Amen? Thank you so much. God bless you.